Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. It's time to roll your sleeves up and get your hands dirty with Friends of the Earth. Dirt Radio. Yo, and good morning. Welcome to Dirt Radio. Hi, how are you? Well, it is uh, Monday morning and uh, you were listening to Yarrabug just then. Thanks so much. And I wanted to send a thank you to everyone who pledged to Dirt Radio. We made well over our quota and that is fantastic. So, yeah, so we're doing really well. And uh, it's not too late to pledge, so l- listen to this. Want to support Tricia's diverse and independent voices? Donate to Tricia's annual Radiothon. We still need your support, and it's not too late to donate. Donate now by calling 94198377 or donate online at tricia.org.au or post us a check or money order to Post Office Box 1277 Collingwood 3066. Dirt Radio, that's where you are this morning and I'm John. Last week, Pope Francis well and truly set the cat among the pigeons. With his pull no punches encyclical, the Pope basically said that we, if we don't do something about climate change, and soon the world is on a fast track to catastrophe. To quote, if present trends continue, he said, this century may well witness unprecedented destruction of ecosystems with serious consequences for us all. The hardline climate change skeptics, of course, were quick off the mark to respond. I don't get economic policy from my bishops or my cardinal or my pope. That's presidential candidate Jeb Bush. Then there was James Inhove, the U.S. Republican from Oklahoma, telling the pope to stick to his job and keep his nose out of stuff he doesn't really know anything about. This good senator's view, climate change is, to quote him, the second largest hoax ever played on the American people after the separation of church and state. The problem is this senator heads up the U.S. Congressional Committee most associated with climate policy oversight, the Environment and Public Works Committee. John Cook 
is the Climate Communication Fellow for Global Change Institute at the University of Queensland. He's working his way through issues like this for several years. He runs SkepticalScience.com, a website that refutes climate misinformation. He has a wide range of publications, including a book on the psychology of climate change debates, and is currently running an online course called Denial 101. I invited him onto Dirt Radio to help us unpick some of these issues. Good morning, John. Good morning. Uh, thanks for having me. Oh, it's a pleasure. Denial 101, what did you des- why did you decide to run this course, and essentially what are you trying to achieve? I think some of the examples you just quoted are a good demonstration of why we need a course like this, because when you have policymakers and the public um, believing misinformation about climate change, then then the policies that we choose and the direction our society goes in can be um, the wrong direction. It's not based on science. It's not based on evidence. So so what our course does, making sense of climate science denial, is it, it makes sense of all the misinformation and explains what the science actually says about climate change. And what, what does your course cover? Uh, we look at uh, the psychology of climate change climate change, how people think about it, and why people, uh, some people are denying the science on climate change. So we look at the drivers of denial first, and then we look at the most common myths that you'll hear about climate change. And then to finish off, we look at the psychology of debunking. How do we respond to misinformation and science denial? Your course, uh, just to just to sort of uh, put it in the context of the medium it's being delivered on, it's it's a course online on it's a, it's called a MOOC. Uh, what what does that mean, and wh- why did you decide to do it this way? A MOOC stands for Massive Open Online Course. Uh, it's massive because any number of people can sign up. We've had over fifteen thousand students enroll in our course. It's open, meaning it's free, so anyone can sign up. It doesn't cost anything. Right. And it's online. People can sign up on the web. They can use it on their phone. There's a there's an iPhone app that, that comes with the, the course, so you can just um, watch the lectures and all the videos on your phone or your iPad. And so the reason we did that is because we want to make this information um, free and available to as many people as possible. Uh, so that yeah, just just to get the, the make the science available to everybody. And the cor- the courses, as I understand it, started um, earlier this year. Do you run it uh, every semester, or and and is it available around the world? Uh, yeah, it's available to everyone. Uh, everyone who can all get over on the it. world. Yes. So we actually had um, enrollments from over 150 different countries. Wow. So it's quite international. Um, and uh, the the first run of the course just finished, but in July one, in just a few weeks, or in less, in just about a week, we're actually um, launching it in self-paced mode, which means that uh, it'll just be permanently available to anyone, anytime, and you can run it at your own pace. So again, just trying to make the course material as available as possible. Look, to, just as we're talking about this, give us give us the details because people listening may well be interested and obviously very timely that I've got, got on to you at this point. Yeah, that's right. I mean, it's, it's perfect timing as it starts in a week. Uh, the, the, if you want to find it, if you just Google Denial 101X, 
then then we'll come up first in the search results. That's probably the easiest way to find it. Right. And it's it's hosted on the edX platform. edX is a like a MOOC platform founded by MIT and Harvard. And so yeah, they they just have just created this wonderful environment for online learning. Oh look, that's uh, that's fantastic, and I'm I'm really pleased that I I, I got you. I found you on uh, wherever I did. Look, and my next question is: um, There's a lot of discussion around climate change denial about the question of misinformation. You mentioned that, and in fact, I read about it in your in your perspective, your course prospectus. Some say the facts of science are being distorted, manipulated. And this has to be corrected, and this will change people's views. Other people that I've read about and heard about say that doesn't matter how much science you present, this isn't going to change people's perceptions. You need to address values or produce a compelling narrative. What's your take on this? And I was trying to put this in the context of some of the things that the Pope was um, writing about last week in his encyclical. How does this all fit together? I think both views have some validity to it. Um, facts and evidence are important, but also uh, communicating climate change in, in ways that is meaningful to people is also important, and, and that can often make it more um, effective with some audiences. So like, not everyone is the same, so different mm. um, messages work for different audiences. And, and I think that, for example, the Pope talking about the uh, moral case for climate action, that works... Um, with a lot of people of faith. It, it might not work with a, a lot of other people who are more convinced by um, graphs and, and data and yes. scientific evidence. And so I think that, uh, yeah, we need to... Um, there's no one magic bullet. There's, there's lots of different ways to approach this, and it's, it's such a big issue that we should be using as many different approaches as we can. And your course covers some of these sorts of issues. Yeah, I, we, we start the course and we end the course by looking at the psychology of climate change. What, what drives denial and then what are the most effective ways to communicate the science? And uh, what we really do is we, like I talked about all these different methods, we really focus on one method, which is correcting misconceptions. Mm -hmm. uh, and this is important because misconceptions can um, uh, cause people to have, a, I guess, be confused about climate change and not understand the reality of, of the science, but it also um, can inhibit people's support for climate action. Uh, a good example of this is that when people don't understand that there's a scientific consensus about climate change, when they're not, not aware of the fact that there's 97% agreement among climate scientists that humans are causing global warming, then they're less likely to support action on climate change. And so clearing up misconceptions such as about the consensus is, is important. It, your work covers the psychology of climate change, as I said before, and I guess this is the $64,000 question, is um, what do you think is the biggest psychological obstacle that needs to be overcome for more people, particularly in Australia, I guess, to connect to these kinds of issues and actually go out, set, set some demands for, I guess, what you might call our, the power elite, um, are, are fearless leaders to actually do something and address it? Uh, well, the, the biggest obstacle uh, to climate action is, is probably political ideology. Um, that's the biggest driver of, of climate science denial. Uh, when people um, who... Are, it tends to be people who are political conservatives. Mm. They um, oppose regulation of industry. 
and therefore they don't like the fact that the solution to climate change is regulating polluting industries. So the problem is communicating science to um, to that demographic doesn't really work. It, it can actually harden their beliefs. So I think that um, the answer then is not to try to change the minds of climate deniers. Rather, it's to communicate the science uh, and communicate climate change to the larger undecided majority. That's where we have most fruit. And so I think that ultimately what we need to correct, or, I mean, there's lots of different things, as I said before, mm. but probably the, one of the big things, and this is what I've concentrated a lot of my work on, and there's a lot of research um, backing this up, is communicating uh, scientific consensus because most people don't have time to absorb all the evidence and keep up to date on all the latest research. Mm. They rely on the opinions of experts. So if we communicate to the public um, that there is 97% agreement among the climate experts, this does have, have a, an effect on increasing people's um, acceptance of climate change and in, increasing their um, support for climate policies. Do you think in Australia uh, there's there's been a few sur- a sort of attitudinal surveys, and I just read recently, just in fact today in the paper, the Lowy Institute's just done a, a survey suggesting that the climate change issue is now back on the agenda. Do you think things are actually changing in Australia? Well, I know that it's changing globally. There, there does seem to be a lot of uh, shifting happening in a lot of countries, China and America uh, recently came to an agreement where China's agreed to cap their coal use and, and begin reducing their emissions. And America already are reducing their emissions, but they're planning to continue and in, increase that in the future. So the, the, the Pope's um, encyclical last week was also another uh, great sign of building mm. momentum. And, and this is all heading towards Paris. So, so my hope is that there is a build in momentum. And so even uh, on... Four Corners uh, last week. There was a wonderful episode about the end of coal. Yes. About how, how coal is becoming a stranded asset and a, and a dangerous investment. Mm. So it does seem like um, people are waking up to the fact that we can't continue on this path of a fossil fuel-based economy. We need to switch to uh, a cleaner forms of energy. Um, the, the, on the other hand, in Australia, we have a, a conservative government that is ideologically opposed to renewable energy that is um, wedded to the coal industry. And they're fighting that shift um, with every fibre of their being. So so they're, they're really swimming against the tide when we look at what's happening globally. Look, uh, we, we, we need to spend lots more time talking about what you're doing in your course. Give us the name of your book just in case people are interested because uh, it was sounded very intriguing to me. Uh, well, I've uh, published a book a couple of years ago called Climate Change Denial, uh, Heads in the Sand, with uh, Hayden Washington. Um, and really, the MOOC is kind of an updated version of that. It, it's all the latest research. It's it's my own PhD research, which I'm conducting at the University of Queensland. Um, so, yeah, if you want it in printed form, you can get the book Climate Change Denial. Or if you uh, want to watch it in online video form, you can just uh, Google Denial 101X. Okay. Well, look, it's been a pleasure talking to you, John. I've been talking to John Cook, and uh, thanks so much for uh, 
coming on to Dirt Radio. John, John's a uh, climate communication fellow for the Global Change Institute at the University of Queensland. He's researched and written extensively on the social aspects of the climate debate, and he's the organizer of um, uh, of the online course Denial 101. Thanks again for being on the show, John. And you are with Dirt Radio. I'm John, and uh, let's hear this. This is David Rovix, and you are tuned to 3CR, 855 AM, Melbourne, Australia. Step three is finding there's a tactic when everyone believes it could be true. That if all the people work collectively, there just might be something we can do, and everything can change. Well, moving from the uh, world of ideas to the world of practicalities, and there's nothing more practical than trying to save the Australian native forests from loggers' chainsaws. Fiona Nelson is a spokesperson for, from the Otway Conservation Association. It's a non-profit community organization campaigning and lobbying for the protection of biodiversity in the Otway Ranges. Good morning, Fiona. Hi there, John. How are you? Yeah, good, thanks. Listen, I, I just uh, I got your press release, and I just wanted to read something out that you wrote in that release. It said, burning native forest is not a renewable energy source and must not be included in the renewable energy, the RET scheme. Can we unpack this a bit and get at some of the issues? What's What's exactly is going to be burned in terms of the forests? Well, um, they're calling it waste, native forest waste, um, and and that um, people can think of that as the you know the trees and the branches rather than the logs. But as we know, um, we have the pulp logs, um, which are logged for paper production. Um, whole logs are, are, are considered as waste, and many of us out in the forest would have known many times that, you know, logs can be dropped when they're being um, uh, put up on the, on the um, landing and therefore that um, makes them, turns them into a, a waste log. So it's a very easy thing for the, to continue the logging of the native forest. So that basically they, could, they can classify particular kinds of wood that we would consider to be proper wood look i'm i'm asking very naive questions they could classify it as waste yes yeah exactly that's what they do for the for the wood chip industry too so you know it's whole logs that are going um to be wood chip because they're not suitable for saw logs and it's pretty easy to make a saw log into a pulp log and why is it considered to be a renewable energy because they consider, I don't know why they consider it as being renewable. Because <laughs> well, is it, is it because they, they can grow more trees? Is that Well, that's what they think, but the time that it takes for the tree to actually mature, um, you, know, it's, you know, at least, you know, 80 years. That's right. Um, well, that's, that's what I was thinking as well. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, in 80 years' time, I think, um, you know, the technology is going to be so advanced, uh, you won't be needing this kind of stuff. At, at all, I would no. as, I would expect exactly. If we've gone into into having more large scale solar and wind, then we wouldn't need this. And um, 
Uh, look, studies have been done that's shown that, uh, for example, that um, if all the native forest log production in 2009 had been burnt for electricity, it would have only produced or, or displaced um, about 2.8% of the total black and brown coal power generation. Right, so... So, you know, it's, it's, it's not not going to be a renewable energy source it's just going to destroy keep on destroying our forests which are you know carbon stores and they're really important to keep for climate mitigation do you have any idea why why this policy is being put in place is there particular motivation that you've detected underlying this well it's to keep the wood chip industry going and the logging industry going because it's a failing um, declining industry anyway um, as we're recognising that we need to keep our, our native forests intact and growing rather than cutting them down. Um, and, yeah, to keep that, that industry... In the, I mean, there's sort of the export wood chip industries in serious decline, but if you started producing your native forest pellets and selling them overseas for... Um, energy production, as is happening mm. in America, is mm. selling their. They, um, in the UK, they import um, pellets from America, and there's a, a big backlash about that at the moment. Um, then that just keeps the industry going. And what uh, this is a, a policy being put together by the coalition government at, at the moment. What's the Labor Party position on this? Are they are they more or less in agreement? No. Well, the Labor Party were opposed to it, and they they um, brought it in an amendment to this to this bill, mm. and um, and then so it's only the crossbenchers that the coalition are hoping to um, convince to include it in the renewable energy target. And do you have do you in in your area where you where you're living? Are you have you got any of the crossbenchers as your members down there? No, no, we haven't. We've only got um, no, we haven't. We've got the coalition. Look, member, I was go- Sarah Henderson, who's yes. um, Karangamite, which is a pretty marginal seat, and um, she's been um, silent on this. Right. We haven't heard heard a word from that, but it passed through the. She's in the House of Reps, so it passed yes. through the House of Reps. Now it's in the Senate, and I think they're, they're um, hearing that they're going to um, decide today. Ah, is that so? Look, mm. this this is a follow up question. We're we're down in Melbourne here. Um, is there anything? I mean, in terms of um, putting pressure on these politicians, maybe it's too late. But if we can do that, something from the big smoke down here. Is there anything that we could do to to help your campaign? Well, there's there's the, you know there's a number of crossbenchers that. Um, that can be contacted. Um, we can get that from your website, I think. Is, is, is it on the website? Um, or it might be on the Facebook page. Okay, on your Facebook page. Uh, Give yeah. us the yeah. Oldway Conservation Association on the Facebook page. But better than that, it's the Australian Forest, that's where a lot of my information is coming from, um, the Australian Forest and Climate Alliance. Yes. And, um, and that's... That also has um, a letter was sent out, an open letter to the Australian Parliament was sent out over the weekend, or, or yeah, no, actually not last week it was, yeah, where some 40 scientists have, have expressed their sincere opposition to the inclusion of um, native forest wood as an eligible fuel source for electricity generation. And that's got all the information 
there that people would need and they they have the um all the listing of the crossbenchers there that you can ring or email good yeah and just give us the, the name of that uh that website again it's uh well it's actually forestandclimate.org.au okay terrific by bioenergy right look yeah. um I was going to ask you another question about, uh, in terms of this policy, what would the Otways end up looking like if it if it if it uh, proceeds? I, I mean, are are we going to see more and more forests being cut down? Yeah, well, I mean, our forest we have we have um, we've got you know a greater Otway National Park, so we've got a national park area, but there's always the potential for something to happen with that, and then we've got the Otway Forest Park, so we've got the we're you're allowed to log for um, minor forest produce, so you know it's really it's really forests who haven't got those protections. But not that those protections those protections can be changed for sure um, with legislation changes. And who knows what can happen mm. with this sort of government that we've got, federal government that we've got at the moment. But you know we've got the Central Highlands and um, East Gippsland too, so. Um, yeah, there's, there's a little bit of talk about doing um, co-firing, which is using using native forest waste, uh, wood wood waste, and um, and coal to um, wow. keep those coal mines going down there. Well, look, uh, we'll follow. We'll definitely keep following this issue. And uh, thank you so much for coming on Dirt Radio, Fiona. Yeah, I've been talking with Fiona uh, Nelson, and she is a. She's a spokesperson for the Otway Conservation Association. They're campaigning to exclude burning native forest waste as part of the RET scheme. And as she explained, you can check out their Facebook page, and there's another website that she gave information on as well. We're Dirt Radio. It's just about time for us to go.